Welcome to Journey Under 30, a roadmap drawn in discovery. I'm Colin Parker. And I'm your sleepy boy, Alex. This is our podcast all about us doing what we can to be named in a future Forbes 30 Under 30. So, Alex, uh, before we jump into Journey Under 30 here, can you give us a quick summary of what we discussed last week? So last week, we talked about a Mr. Omtehu Revila-Chan, the founder of a company known as um, Uncharted, formerly known as the Unreasonable Institute. The goal of Uncharted is to kind of act as an um, incubator for entrepreneurs that are trying to solve major world problems like hunger, um, access to information, and things like that. Fantastic. Uh, and so we had some lessons that we learned on that episode. And as always, we would like to request that, like, if you're a listener and there's anything that you think maybe that is a good point that we missed to write in, because if you write about something uh, during this little summary phase, we'll uh, we'll talk about the lessons that maybe we missed. Um, yeah. But in the meantime, um, let's get into into this week. So I really liked your presentation last week, Alex. Um, mm-hmm. I still strongly believe that it was our best episode yet. Um, and in that episode, oh, you're welcome. Um, and in that episode, I said, uh, there are so many things on that website and I felt like we could spend some time on it and talk about many of the people involved for similar reasons. Um, and I was thinking about doing that this week. Um, Mm -hmm. but with the way that the world is going and the way that I've been feeling recently, um, don't get me wrong. I do think it would be good to have another week of hearing about people who do good like this. Right. Um, but for some reason, like, I feel like this this past week, I just hadn't really been laughing as much as I usually do. You know, like, I just felt a little, felt, was feeling a little blue. And I was like, you know, you really need to talk about someone who makes you laugh, right? Yeah. Um, and yeah. this was kind of a tough thing for me, because this could be, like, a million people, right? Everyone mm-hmm. in the network makes me laugh, for sure. Um, then, you know, there's people like Julie or O'Brien, the McElroys, you know, like, all people like that. They all make me laugh as well. Um yeah. But I, I, so I just, I didn't know what to do for this episode. Um, and then last night, someone shared a video on Facebook while I was taking a little break from like going through names and researching stuff. Mm-hmm. And I went, oh, I know who to talk about. Uh, it is John Mulaney. Um, this dude makes me laugh like no other. And this next statement may be, um, controversial, I guess, maybe to some, but honestly, I I don't care. And please do not at me about this next statement, uh, because you're just going to be wrong. John Mulaney, (laughs) I truly believe will go down as one of the best comedians of all time. Um, and so I'd like to talk about that path and career, um, uh, today. So let's just jump straight into it. Something that's kind of cool for you and me is the fact that John Mulaney, um, grew up in like Chicago and Illinois and stuff, but he attended college right around the corner from us in D.C. at Georgetown University. Um, So when I actually saw him in D.C., it was cool because he was kind of talking about, you know, some of the local spots and, you know, some stuff that he did while he was at Georgetown, which is pretty interesting because usually people kind of stay to stay on script, for lack of a better term, but he kind of deviated a little bit just to sort of get personal with us. So that was kind of fun. Yeah. But then after he graduated from Georgetown, he moved to New York. Um, because he was like, I want to get involved in comedy and like stuff like that. And like, I really need to be in a big major city where there's like a big uh, scene for that sort of thing. Um, and while he was in New York, he actually worked an office job 
um, at Comedy Central. Um, and then uh, while he was doing all this stuff, right, like working at Comedy Central, he went on to audition for Saturday Night Live. Mm-hmm. Now, whereas he didn't get an on-screen spot, he did get a writing gig out of that audition, um, yep. and he worked there for six seasons. Wow. Um, and in the writer's room, he worked with, obviously, many um, well-known writers from SNL, with the with the most notable probably right now being Seth Meyers, um, mm-hmm. who at the time was also the head writer for SNL. Um, yeah. And he helped create one of SNL's most famous characters to date, which is Stefan. Um, oh, Stefan, yeah. Yeah, Stefan was written by Mulaney and Bill Hader, um, mm-hmm. and Bill Hader is the person who played the character. Yeah. Um, he was also nominated for three separate Primetime Emmy Awards as a writer, and he also won a Primetime Emmy Award for Outstanding Original Music and Lyrics in 2011. So that's all right before he turned 30, which is great. Um, and then not to get too far ahead of myself and past that 30th birthday... Um, but since we're talking about SNL, I think it's important to mention at this point that just this year, he hosted SNL. Really? Yeah, it was back in, I, God, I'm going to get this wrong, I think. I think it was April. Now I'm going to double check. Yes, uh, he did it just this past April. Um, and that made him the third writer for SNL to uh, ever host an episode, um, with the first two being Conan O'Brien and Larry David. Um, mm-hmm. and so, you know, this was, uh, what happened despite having never been promoted to a cast member. Yeah. But I think that's a really great testament to his ability, both as a writer and as a comedian to be brought back in this format, um, and with such an amazing reaction as well. Um, people really, people really love that episode and I am in agreement. Now, although he is an incredible comedic writer, the thing I think he's going to be remembered for, like I was talking about earlier is his standup. Mm-hmm. So, in addition to the work on Saturday Night Live, he had been already working for a number of years as a stand-up comedian. Mm-hmm. Um, he's been uh, featured on many different shows like Jimmy Kimmel, Conan, uh, Late Night with Jimmy Fallon, Late Night with Conan O'Brien, and he yeah. was he had two Comedy Central Presents stand-up specials. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. So, the first... Uh, the first thing he ever did, uh, stand-up wise, was he put up a uh, comedy album titled "The Top Part" in two thousand and nine, and that sort of led to a stand-up comedy special from Comedy Central uh, called "New in Town." That that was in two thousand and twelve. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, sorry, I I need to take one thing back. The, both of those things were produced with Comedy Central. It's just one had a film aspect of it, and the other one did not. Um, now these were the two stand-up specials that he did before turning 30. Um, and he has since then done, uh, done more, right? But those two specials alone, I think would merit a 30 under 30 for me, um, yeah. in, in the entertainment business. Um, because both top part and new in town have bits in it that are some of the funniest bits that any comedian has ever done. Um, yeah. just to sort of kind of give a quick highlight in top part. He does a bit called the salt and pepper diner where he talks about some, uh, youthful hijinks with a jukebox machine. I think and I've heard in, that one. Yeah, you probably yeah, have. It one. is, it is like notorious. Um, and in new in town, he does a bit called whiskey or perfume, which is, uh, kind of half and half about why he quit drinking, but it's also a story that like, I don't want to give anything away because obviously he tells it better. 
Um, but that was a bit that I had to pause multiple times because I was laughing so hard that I laughed over some of the next few sentences. Um, can, can I ask the, a question? Yeah. So was he the guy that wrote the joke about having the house party and the friend that stole other people's family photos? Yes, that's that okay. one. Okay. Uh, but I, yes, I know who we are talking about. Yes, okay. I'm going to have to probably just, I'm probably just going to put a little bleep right there just so it doesn't give that joke away yeah. but like that is that person yes okay i'm gonna awesome. leave i'm gonna leave your question in though um so yeah so the only thing that tops um those bits for me are his most recent stand-up special kid gorgeous um mm -hmm. but we'll get to that in just a second here um so at this point though like i said the 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 top part and new in town were the last kind of things that he did before turning 30 yeah um and uh, so was SNL, really. Like, SNL, like, he left SNL just just after 30. Um, so let's talk now about, just for a brief second, about his work past then, right? Um, yeah. Into his 30s. Um, so his third special uh, was called The Comeback Kid, and that mm -hmm. was released through Netflix. That was 2015. Um, and I was actually, so when I said that I saw him in DC, right, that yeah. was um, one of the last few, That it was like, it wasn't like a full on tour, right? That he was doing. Yeah. He was kind of doing like a mini tour. And that was what he did um just a couple months before he actually filmed that special, The Comeback Kid. Um, where and that was cool for me, sorry, because he was testing all that new material. Yeah. Um, and so in the comeback kid, he did things slightly in a different order, which is also cool to see, like, you know, how people kind of mess around with transitions and stuff, but it was it was fun. Um so I, I got to see the comeback kid before it ever happened, um, and I feel like I'm now a part of history. No, but uh, yeah. his second stand-up show, um, New in Town, which was the Comedy Central one that's also on Netflix now. Um, yeah. But the the comeback kid, uh, this was kind of a cool thing to me. So obviously it had some critical acclaim. Um, David Sims of The Atlantic called it a reminder of everything that makes Mulaney so singular. Uh, Storytelling rich with well-observed details delivered with the confidence of someone decades older than 33. Hmm. Um, which is, I think, a great uh, a great thing. So yeah. then in 2016, he was once again nominated for a Primetime Emmy Award, uh, this mm -hmm. time for Outstanding Writing for a Variety Special, and that was for uh, The Comeback Kid, although he lost to Patton Oswalt, um, who had uh, Talking for Clapping, um, mm. which was not bad, but I just feel like the comeback kid was stronger but that's just yeah. my personal opinion um yeah. Mulaney's fourth stand-up comedy tour which is the one that we were sort of talking about earlier kid gorgeous that was uh just started last year um and it ended a literally a year ago right around today close to it it was like july of 2017 um yeah. he did a little bit more actually in late 2017 all the way through the beginning of this year, um, which was interesting. And the cool thing about that special, though, is that the tour featured seven shows at Radio City Music Hall in New York City. Um, yeah. It was originally, I think, three, maybe four days, or shows, rather. And they were so popular, they sold out so fast that they had to add extra ones to it. Yeah. Um, and so that was just, that was kind of close to our birthday in 2018. If I had been home, I probably would have tried to make it to that. Um, yeah. but one of those performances was filmed for that Netflix special, 
Um, and what an amazing haul to, per, to, to record that in for one thing. Yeah. Like it's wild. If you haven't seen it, you definitely should. It is just one of the greatest things I've ever seen. And this one was also met with critical acclaim to quote another person. Steve Green of IndieWire called it one of the year's best pieces of writing. And for the 70th Primetime Emmy Awards, Mulaney received a nomination for Outstanding Writing for a Variety Special for Kid Gorgeous. I don't know. Has that Emmy happened, though? I'm not sure, actually. They apparently did on the 31st. Huh. Oh, it was hosted by Michael Chan, Colin Jost. That's interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, well, no, you know what? This is weird. Oh, on, it's, it's featuring the best things from June 1st, 2017 until May 31st, 2018. Sorry. So it hasn't happened yet. It's happening on September 17th this year. So he could potentially, he still could potentially win. Cool. I'm actually, I'm not going to lie. I, was, I, I know this is sort of like breaking free for a moment. But I got to say, I am currently looking through the nominations, and there is a lot of, like, there's some quality nominations this year. Yeah. Wow. And not, I mean, you know, I don't really watch this stuff. I mean, not this stuff, but I mean, like, I don't usually watch, like, the Emmys, because it's not necessarily my thing. But, like, I, I won't lie. I'm looking real quick. I'm just kind of scrolling through all these, like, actors and actresses and the shows and the directing and yeah. the series that are nominated are fantastic. I mean, you know, you have Atlanta up. Um, for some directing, both by Donald Glover and I, okay, I hope I get this right. I believe it's Hero Murray, might be Murai, which is M U R A I. Barry with Bill Hader. Just I'm just uh, sorry, I, I realized Twin Peaks, David Lynch. Uh, yeah, man, there's some really. I don't know. Maybe I will watch it. I mean, I do think that like not to take a total sidestep here, but I do think that TV and and whatnot, you know, both with Netflix and actual television, this year has actually been pretty pretty solid. Um, yeah, I think, I think it's been a good year for, for television. Um, so anyway, like I said, he, he was, he's been nominated for the 70th primetime Emmy awards for writing for that special. Uh, and I cannot imagine, oh, you know what? Actually, sorry. I, I realized that I just closed that window and I Uh did want to actually see who he was going up against. That was the whole point of, that was one of the two points that I wanted to see. I wanted to see if it had already happened and if not where it was okay writing so outstanding writing for a variety special here are the people that are up for it full frontal with samantha b the great american mm-hmm. um puerto rico it's complicated john mulaney kid gorgeous at radio city written by john mulaney michelle wolf nice lady written by michelle wolf pat oswalt annihilation written by pat oswalt and the steve martin and martin short an evening you will forget for the rest of your life written by steve martin and martin short these are some pretty fairly good you know nominations but like yeah i cannot imagine i just cannot imagine anyone be like i just feel like this if this doesn't win like i mean granted the emmys are not necessarily the end all opinion you know a lot of it is popularity and stuff like that but like that special i mean i've watched it multiple times and it's only been out for like a couple months it is just so so good and the last thing I'll say before we move on is I do want to point out that he did the taping of that and he did all seven nights of that with a tear in his hip. Wow. Um, and he is very, he's a very physical person. Like he frequently like leaps and runs across the stage. You know what I mean? And yeah. does like lunges and stuff. So like this guy is, you know, moving around a lot and has a pretty hefty tear in, in his leg. So it's pretty, it's pretty impressive. Yeah. So I think that we should 
probably, I mean, this is obviously up to the point in which he's living now. So yeah. uh, we can move on to the lessons. But first, I guess it's time to drop by the marketing department. Yeah, they get lonely. It's got to make sure that they're, oh. Yeah, put I some water having, in the bowl and stuff. Yeah, you know, you got to make sure the water is filled. I keep, oh, God, I need to work on my jokes today. Ugh. Okay, let's just go. This show may sound familiar, but not too familiar, but not too not familiar. But that's not the show that we're talking about. We are talking about something, though, that's on the Scavengers Network. Really? And that show is... Uh, yes, it's it's on the, it's on our network. That show is called State Your Case. Uh, and State Your Case is a podcast that travels the United States of America, talking to representatives from each and every state in an effort to create a newer, sleeker, and more aerodynamic America by cutting out the states that aren't pulling their weight. So Looking join at us you, as Maryland. We, hey, Maryland made it. Maryland did a great oh, job. Oh, okay. Maryland, uh, actually, fun fact, uh, Graham Thompson uh, and I were on the Maryland episode, and we oh. crushed it. Nice. Um, so join us as we create America 2.0 while learning about the unique food, drink, culture, landmarks, history, and sometimes cryptozoology of each state. Um if you want to kind of hear some of that stuff, listen to the Vermont or the New Hampshire one. Uh, it gets pretty buck wild, my dudes. Um, where else will you learn that Rhode Island invented sideburns or that Colorado Park Service is so insane that they carved slides into the sides of mountains? Hmm. Or you can hear all about Maryland, like I said, and hear about things like Old Bay and some of our very interesting cryptids like Chessie. Um, now, new episodes of that drop every Thursday wherever fine podcast products are found. And something that you all may not know is that Mr. Sam Gretz is actually a really cool dude. We actually have an interview with him up on our YouTube channel, Scavengers Network. No, is it Scavengers? Well, we don't actually have that URL yet. URL yet, but yeah, he's a really cool dude, so you should check that out. He is, and that episode is up. It's under Culture Shock, uh, and uh, Alex interviewed Sam, so it's a, it's, yeah. a, it's a good episode. Yeah. So, so Colin, what, we, what else do we have, Alex? Well, do you know the history of Sennheiser? Uh, a little bit, but why don't you tell me a little bit more? So back in 1952, there was this little-known phrase that gained prominence called, I like Ike. And people think it was originally to get Eisenhower into the office or something, but it's actually a misnomer. The original phrase was, I like Mike's, and it was Sennheiser's first attempt at a catchphrase. And if you notice, they actually don't have a catchphrase now, so I guess it didn't actually work. And so this, so due to continental drift, the M sound became less prominent, and we kind of collectively dropped it. So, yeah. Uh huh. Was That's that the, the the thing? It was that the history that was on the our notes for this episode that says yeah. stupid joke about mics. Yeah, about Mike and okay. mics. Yeah. Yep. All right. Well, there you go. Yep. 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 So, um. <laughs> <laughs> Sennheiser is shaping the future of audio, a vision built on a 70-year history of innovation and continued drive for excellence that is woven into the company's DNA and culture. So here, here are a few reasons why you should shop at Sennheiser.com. You get free shipping and returns on all orders with no minimum purchase required. There is a Sennheiser for you offering high-quality design and legendary Sennheiser sound. 
You can get top-of-the-line wireless headphones for high-quality sound anywhere you go, and items arrive in three to five days in continental U.S. with UPS. So just go to bit.ly slash scavheiser, or S-C-A-V-H-E-I-S-E-R, again, that is scavheiser, to start looking for your next headphones or microphone upgrade today. As someone who is going to be building a studio in probably less than a month at Wow, it is less than a month because when I'm moving, um, I'm probably going to be taking full advantage of this because, you know, you got to build your basement. Studio. Right. No, for real. Yeah. So, yeah. Fantastic. And it's, just it's, in case, one more time, can you give us that bit.ly one more time? That is bit.ly slash scavheiser. And, you know, it's very, it's very rarely you get like such intriguing history with such a well-known company. And, you know, I'm just really glad we had the opportunity to get, shed more light on Sennheiser and their. Well, yeah. this show is really good about <laughs> diving deeply into people's histories. Um, and dumb so <laughs> speaking of that, uh, why don't we hop back over out of this department and back to our cushy offices, offices, uh, office, whatever. And uh, I, now your no joke stuff is rubbing off on me. Let's get out of here. Okay, so uh, I have some stuff to kind of talk about, but before we kind of talk about some of the points that I have, mm-hmm. um, I mean, I, I don't think necessarily that there is, how do I say this? Not that John Mulaney doesn't have a great career, because obviously he does, right? That's why I'm sitting here talking about it. But mm-hmm. not that he doesn't, uh, I, I don't think that there's necessarily an insane level of, uh, of things to be learned from, so much as, as this is more of just a, a moment to wax poetic on a career that i think is really solid and you know considering he was under 30 at the times that the 30 under 30 was going it's a shame that he wasn't nominated for one certainly Um, and i think that he probably should have been well i do think there are maybe a couple things we could pull from this oh for sure i i think that we might not be able to pull as much as we can with someone like malala but that's not to say that you can't learn a valuable lesson from a stand-up comedian well and as you said like even I guess what might contribute to maybe there isn't as much to learn about him is that he took a pretty um, linear path to get to where he is today. Like he That's studied, very true. yeah, like he studied English and writing at Georgetown, and like from there he got an office. He got like an like a kind of a well, an office position in the kind of job that he wanted to get. So like every every step of the way, he was building towards what he wanted to do. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. But I guess, like, one thing that I've been thinking of is looking at what he's done. Like, what the what would the Forbes pitch be? Like, that little blurb, like, of what he's done. Well, and in thinking of that, I've, I've been looking at what other Forbes writers have done. And mm-hmm. one, thing, one thing I've mentioned before is that what kind of gets me is, like, the people who, like, make something that brings people together. But one thing I've noticed is that a lot of, like, the writers and entertainers they have, they might not be, like, making these big grand tools that will, like physically help a lot of people but they're bringing people together in other ways right so right. like um like uh so these were from the 2018 class uh for entertainment in hollywood um so like there was esther positivsky who played maya on crazy ex-girlfriend she co-stars in the show alone together um there's another another person that got onto list kara brown who was a writer for jezebel in the pop culture tv and race sections and was a staff writer on the blackish spinoff um grownish and then jermaine mm-hmm. fowler who's an exec producer on, and the star of the cbs show superior donuts and also a lead in the role in the upcoming film sorry to bother you so it's 
So it's not just, like I said, it's not just about creating things that bring people together, but also I'm contributing to a sort of, I'm still working on like the phrasing for this, but like a global library of entertainment. So creating things that unite people in other ways besides just like solving world problems, but you're, I I guess you're solving problems. Sometimes one of the best solutions to solving world problems is, and we, we sort of talked about this, I think a little bit on the episode where we just sort of discussed burnout we didn't discuss anything else right we were just talking physically about kind of ways to combat that and stuff like that um, and what to do in that situation and i think that a lot of the times you have to realize that sometimes you do need like okay so sometimes there is uh there is a a reason why you would want to have a show that has narrative and commentary about what's happening in the world now but at the same time sometimes that's just another reminder of everything that is happening yeah Certainly. And so because of that, I think it makes sense to want to have something that is something that just sort of lets you get away from that, even if it's just for 30 minutes or an hour, you know? And I think that's another reason why we do things like make podcasts, right? Like there's sometimes you just need a little bit of an escape to kind of help you push forward in the more serious moments. Certainly. Well, and our favorite boy, Griffin McElroy, also got onto the list for Mabim Bam, Polygon, and the Adventure Zone. Right, right. Um, and, you know, the he was put on the list back in, oh, God, that was what, two years ago now or three yeah. years now? Wow. Two or three years All, ago. The time, is like, the time is like flying by at this point. I think there's um, a song for that. Yeah, I think so, too. Um, but the thing <laughs> is, is that like the, the thing is that, you know, for, for like you and me, right, we're obviously a little bit more focused on like Bim Bim Bam and Taz or the Adventure Zone, my brother, my brother and me, for people who may not know what those... Um, you know, anagrams there are, but, Mm -hmm. um, but the, the, the big thing is, is that, uh, the thing that they were mainly focusing on was, was his work at Polygon, which I do think is, uh, when he, when you are someone who's maybe the internet famous, like Griffin McElroy, Mm -hmm. there is sometimes moments where you then kind of forget some of those other contributions that he had. And he was very much on the forefront of sort of talking about a lot of, uh, like indie developers, for example, you know, and really helping, kind of push those people forward. And um, getting back to John Mulaney here, right, there's also a similar thing where, you know, he has he does nothing but stand up pretty much at this point, but he still does a whole bunch of other really great side projects and does a lot of like writing and and work with people. I mean, he's done a lot of videos with his friend Nick Kroll, yeah. um, where they will uh, sometimes do things like giving advice to people and That'll be from like GQ or from something like that. And, but the thing is, is that, you know, they're comedians, but they can still give you solid advice, which I guess also still kind of links into my brother, my brother, me, but you know, John Mulaney is just one of those things like, or for me, right. Listening to John Mulaney is a thing or watching that is something where I can kind of forget my troubles for a little bit. Or if I really do need to sort of shirk off some work for a little bit, Mm -hmm. um, I can sit there and watch you know, just videos or, or clips of him and kind of clear my brain for a little bit. Um, because like I said, you know, he is just very, very funny. And um, two episodes ago, I spoke about um, Austin Walker mm-hmm. and talked about storytelling and how important that can be. And what he's doing, what Mulaney is doing is is storytelling. And it's very, it's very in, uh, um, immersive, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's very all-encompassing. I mean, like, there's a lot of stories that he has that are obviously very specific stories about his youth, but there are also many elements to to some of his stories that really 
you can relate to. Um, yeah. You know, like, um, you know, j- just to sort of give a, b- a brief moment of it, right? He talks in um, in uh, The Comeback Kid, he talks once about how in a car with a whole bunch of other kids, yeah, you know, they saw McDonald's coming up and they were all freaking out. They're like, oh my God, McDonald's, McDonald's. They were chanting McDonald's and they're, and his dad pulled into the, the McDonald's like parking lot, right? Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh my God, this is it. We're going to get McDonald's. He pulled into the drive-thru and ordered one black coffee and then continued on. <laughs> and I think that like, that is a moment that we've all lived through, whether it was in a car and our father's doing something like that. Or if it was in a moment where, you know, sometimes life seems like you're going to get this thing and then life has a way of being like, ooh, so close, but no. No. You know? Um, And again, it's this this moment of there's just something very relatable in that moment. Even if you haven't had that exact situation, Mm -hmm. it is still a feeling that you know all too well. Certainly. Um, Like you're just so uh, close. Yes, exactly. And, you know, real quick to kind of touch on something that you said earlier before I forget mm-hmm. about it. You were talking about kind of having a linear path. And we don't talk about this term every episode, but we do sometimes bring up the term pivot. Mm-hmm. Um, and something that you said is such a good example, I think, of pivoting, right? Because he worked at a place where he could sort of get his foot in the door mm-hmm. and have his name seen and heard around the office space as much as possible to sort of work his name into conversations. Um, and that could potentially help when he's going to start saying, I would like to be something more than just a desk worker. Yeah. You know, so if everyone knows John Mulaney from around the office, and then suddenly someone's going, hey, you know, Mulaney did a special, or not a special, but did did some stand-up the other day at, you know, Hands. I don't know, yeah. I'm just making up a name of a place. And it was insanely funny. Have you guys ever heard this guy? And then they're like, wait a minute. Mulaney, like the guy from down the hall who does like copies and stuff, like yeah, that guy is insanely funny, you know. Like it's, and then when when what happens is then then you're already working in a comedy building, yeah, and also like you're probably just picking up little tidbits from all all around, you know, yeah, and then you pivot and you pivot towards SNL, um, and again then you have this writing ability, and even if you never get on stage, the thing is that you're just practicing the writing capability of what you're doing. Exactly. Which is one of the reasons why I think his stand-up is so strong, because not only is he performing it, and obviously most comedians write their own stand-up, but like when your job at one point was literally to write funny things, right? Um, before you were even, you know, standing up on a stage doing it, like yeah. I think that probably just sort of preps you, you know? Yeah. Um, well, and so one so. thing that in my kind of quest for finding work that's relevant to me, one thing that I've learned, it's not just about like working in your field, but working in things that are adjacent to your field. Yes. Right. So even if like my current goal is to do more performing and more teaching and things like that, like it's totally acceptable for, well, I... Not to say, like, it would be unacceptable, but, like, it also fits to, like, do some audio tech stuff as well, because it's still relevant to what I want to do. And there's still things I can pick up that I can then apply to what I want to do. So. Absolutely. And, you know, that's another big thing uh, for me, you know, is, like, is finding that that time, you know, mm-hmm. um, finding something that really fits within, you know, my field. And, again, not necessarily having to be 
Mm. It doesn't have to be exactly in my field, you know, kind of like you said, it just has to be somewhat adjacent to, to help. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, here's a, here's, a, here's a good example for you, right? Um, a week, or not even a full week from when this episode will air, I will be um, at Peabody Institute, um, Peabody Conservatory, um, mm-hmm. for an entire week uh, from the 22nd through the 29th. Um, I will be with BaseWorks, which is something that I did last year. That was my internship last year. Now this year, I'm kind of, uh, I was sort of like a, a, a staff member that was sort of picked up. Um, and, you know, BaseWorks is a one week a year thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's currently the only job that I have, but it is still, um, it is still adjacent to my field, right? Because I'm, yeah. I'm going there and I'm, I'm doing video for them. And I'm doing social media marketing and stuff like that and social media engagement. Um, and then I'm doing, um, you know, editing. Like I said, I, mean, I guess that's related to video, like videography. But I'm also taking some some photography and stuff like that. And yeah. kind of being uh, and doing some live streaming for them actually at the performance. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like I am sort of, uh, I'm, I'm not trying to give myself a term, but to a certain extent, I'm like the technical director, I guess, you know, the, the yeah. tech. I'm I'm the I'm the person who runs all your tech though essentially uh, yeah. at the camp. Um and it Baseworks is um just a a quick overview. Baseworks is this really great program that's hosted in Baltimore, Maryland. Um that is a one week long camp. Um mm-hmm. like sleepaway camp though some students can commute in if they live close by. Um and it is an experience where I think a lot of the times when you're a bass player especially in elementary and middle school you're probably used to being the only kid in your section. Now imagine going to a camp where it's like 70 to 80 people just like you. Yeah. Um, and from all walks of life. And it is 50% women, 50% um, men. Um, and actually, I think, if I'm not mistaken, this year we're actually more women than men, both yeah. in staff and in students, which I think is great. Because so often female bass players are sort of like questioned. And it's like, well, why? Why can't a female play a bass? Yeah. You know, it's like, like what's wrong with a girl or a woman or whatever, like, you know, however old they are playing a bass, like, yeah. like stop, stop assuming that they have to play flute just because, you know, that fits your narrative or whatever, you know, but it's fantastic to see that sort of thing. And so people coming together and they learn, um, in smaller chamber groups, some kind of music arranged for multiple bass parts. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they have a chamber bass orchestra, which has most of the staff and the students all playing together. And you have like basically 90 bass players playing at once. And it's incredible. Yeah. Um, it is a really, really fantastic program. Um, and you definitely see kids' lives changed by this. Mm-hmm. And there are students who come in from all over the U.S. for this thing, you know? Yeah. Like New York, Massachusetts, California. Like we have students from all over. Um, so it's cool. a really, really great thing. And to me, that is right in line with what I'd want to do, right? Because mm-hmm. not only is it in line with my line of work that I want to get involved in, but it's also in line with like the values that I have, you know, and like arts promotion and promoting arts education and stuff like that, you know? Um, and, uh, you know, so that's sort of something that I guess you could say that I've, that I've learned. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, in conclusion though, um, for, for me, at least for the lessons that I've learned, Mm -hmm. um, I think that like the last thing, I mean, really uh, my big, my biggest takeaway is, is that sort of the thing that we were just sort of talking about, but like pivoting and and sort of starting in one place to sort of get your name somewhere and yeah. kind of using that as a 
like I said, like a foot in the door to just sort of get something moving. Um, mm -hmm. And I think that that's a really great way of doing it. You know, sometimes you kind of have to start off in like the mailroom. Certainly. In order to work your way up the food chain. Definitely. But what about you, our dear listeners? Is there anything from his career or past careers that maybe that we've missed, um, lessons-wise? Um, if so, tweet at us or email us. Um, if you want to email us, email us at scavengersnetwork at gmail.com. Uh, and with that said, I think that's a pretty good spot to leave it at. Yeah. Please be sure to check out our other shows here on the Scavengers Network, such as Taste Testers, our kind of Mythbusters show, but for the cooking world. And if you're looking for more podcasts, try out our other great shows on the network, like Academy Outcasts. You can find that video series and others on our YouTube, um, which actually Michael and I just started a mini-series in A Way Out, which you can also find there. Um, and you and that's called A Way Out Wednesday. Sorry, that's every Wednesday. Uh, you can find our podcast, like Academy Outcasts, wherever you choose to listen to your fine podcasts. Um, if you want to find me, however, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Colin, C-O-L-I-N-M. Parker, P-A-R-K-E-R. You can find me on Twitter at ATEL0 or French AT Music or Instagram, I think French Alexander Music. And you can find both mm -hmm. of us at ScavengersNet on the Twitter. Yep. Um, and before we go, I'd like to give a real quick thank you to my co-host, Mr. Alex Taylor, for the use of our theme song that you hear both at the beginning, middle, and end of the show. Thank you, sir. You're welcome. And so this episode is coming to you hot and fresh like a Caesar's pizza, Little Caesar's, whatever, on uh, July 17th, which means that our next episode will come to you, once again, hot and fresh and ready, on July 31st. Cool. So thanks for joining us here on Journey Under 30. As always, I am Colin Parker. And I'm Alex Taylor. And I'll see you on the Forbes listing. No, I'll see you on the Forbes.